How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoli. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it, finally. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. I feel like we gotta really take a moment, and we have enjoyed this already, but I feel like we have to again take a moment and really enjoy the fact that the Kings continue to be at the top of the Pacific Division. Yeah, it's pretty darn great. Um, and, and not by, like just like a little I mean kind of a little two points right now but it's not like sometimes it's just you know like the regulation overtime wins that kind of boosts them forward they like legitimately have been leading in the Pacific and it's beautiful it's fantastic I'm loving it and every time other people seem to notice it like I'll see people be like whoa the kings are at the top of the Pacific division I didn't expect that neither did many of us but it's beautiful. It's wonderful, but also I kind of want to be like, don't look at us. Like, don't give us too right, much yeah. pressure. Like, stop looking at the standings. Maybe they don't realize, and that's why they're, like, at the top right now, because usually we'd be cruising at, you know, middle middle of the pack. <laughs> yeah, we also have to thank teams like the Anaheim Ducks for getting off to a really rough start. That has helped the Kings. But, you know, they seem to be maintaining it for, for, uh, for now, and people have pointed out like their next few games are on the road their next five games I believe and then they come back home but they've already so far in the games that they've been on the road for have done pretty well they've lost once against Chicago so they still have a good chance to continue to be good but we'll I guess we'll see this next stretch of five games how that goes to see if they've really got what it takes to stay at the top and I hope they do they've they've played mostly well except for that game against the Oilers was kind of weird um and also, uh, Los Angeles has uh, only played 17 games as compared to Vancouver, who's right below them. Vancouver's 19. Ridiculous. Um, Vancouver has lost in overtime six times. Yeah. They're like, I mean, the Kings haven't been in overtime as much, but the Kings have won all of their overtime situations so far. Whereas, you know, so the Kings, like, Andre Kopitar joked after he scored in overtime one game. He was like, oh, yeah, we love three on three because you know we're great basically (laughs) is what he said and Daryl Sutter made that joke about how like yeah I know everything there is to know about three on three overtime because we've won both the times we've been in it um and so I feel like the Canucks have to be the opposite of that where it's like this is the worst change to the NHL because they cannot every every time they're (laughs) I love that they one put themselves into that situation and then probably were like fuck yeah and then like try different iterations of, you know, players on the ice, like who works, who doesn't, and they just cannot seem to figure it out. Um, most recently tonight, they lost in overtime to the Canadians. Yeah. And I think that's just, it's kind of hilarious. Like, I kind of want it to be something where they just never win in overtime. <laughs> it would be pretty funny. No more. Kind of like the new version of what the Devils did, but instead of shootouts, yeah. it's just three on three. They can't make it happen. So right now, the Kings have a record of 11-6-0. They have 22 points. They um, have played pretty well. They went through this weird stretch where it was like win-lose, win-lose. But now they've won two in a row, and they head out on the road, like we mentioned. Some some people have reappeared (laughs) in this last stretch of games. Dustin Brown finally gets his first goal. It only took like 
40 something shots, but he got he one. He got there. Congratulations. Um, I loved his goal ce- celebration because it was like very triumphant. Like he didn't step away from like he's it was right in front of the net, just kind of like a battle in front. Um, this is against Arizona, and he just like threw up his arms super triumphantly, but also with an air of just like, ah, oh, finally. Just like so happy that it it happened. I'm sure he's happy to no longer talk about it. Um, you know, doesn't have that kind of like hanging over his head. Uh, but yeah, that was good. Very happy for him. I like it. I actually missed it live, but I liked watching the replay. I hope he gets a few more in here. Um, someone, Marion Gabrick actually had a goal, but he came back into existence and scored another one, and also got an assist in the game versus Edmonton, which was exciting. One thing that was really nice about Dustin Brown's goal and Marion Gabrick's goal and Tanner Pearson's goal was that um, it happened like right in front of the net. I know that we always talk about and are very frustrated with the fact that the Kings can never seem to put anyone in front of the goal to capitalize on the rebounds. But this time, those past three goals were all just, like, scrappy goals in front of the net. And that makes me happy to see that they're, you know, trying something new. Like, it's always nice to see a Jeff Carter or a Tyler Toffoli fancy wrister or whatever it is. But, like, those, you know, those gritty, hardworking goals or whatever is also good to see because the Kings seem to kind of fall down on the job um, putting people there most of the time. Yeah. And it seems like, or when they get people there, they're... For me, it always feels like they're somehow turned in the wrong direction. <laughs> and it's like, if you had just oh, yeah. spun around a little bit, you could have popped that one right back in. So it's good to see it them It, like, start. hits them in the butt. Yeah. So it's good to see them, like, get a few more of those. And also because as beautiful as, like, Jeff Carter's wrister is, or as wonderful it is as it is to see Tyler Toffoli shoot something top shelf, like, not everybody can be those types of players so if we want more scoring more secondary scoring and whatnot from players on this team it probably has to be like rebound stuff or those kind of greasy goals um where they're battling it out and push something through i love watching tanner pearson because like i mean i tweeted about it but it just feels true to me all the time if there's a rebound that's loose and he's his line is on the ice he's going to do everything he can to at least get another shot on goal and that's like his bread and butter he's making it his thing it worked with Gabrick even though his goal was insane and probably not should not have happened but they were on the ice against two terrible Oilers defensemen which actually turned out to be really great for the Kings players. Yeah, he had to battle off an Oilers defenseman, but it didn't seem to be a problem. Like, his back was facing the goal, and he's like, eh, this is fine, you're trying, but I'm going to score this goal now, and just, like, turns around and shoots it. No big deal. He was asked during the intermission after that period ended, like, did you pick a spot? Jim Fox asked him that, and he was like, no. <laughs> I just shot it. <laughs> I like it. I like that honestly. Yeah. Honesty. Because, I mean, really, yes, I understand, especially after reading a lot of those, um, like, player tribune pieces and, and, you know, people talking about what they think about going into taking some, like, crazy shot that no one, none of us can make or, like, some crazy save. Like, obviously, they're very cerebral. They know what they're doing. They can think faster than any any of us, but... I also like to hear that it's like, nah, I just shot it and was just like crossing my fingers. Like, yeah. See what happens. <laughs> Probably have like a general feeling of shoot high if you can. And then if it goes in, yeah. great. <laughs> and it worked out for him in that case, which is really nice. But that game was strangely very tight and scoring chances and whatnot. The Oilers played pretty well. The Kings kind of played pretty sloppy at times. So 
that game was really close, so like Tanner Pearson's goal didn't like win the game for them or anything. So we got to see more guys score, including Nick Shore, who I like to call Shore boy. the disappearing, reappearing Nick Shore. He seems to be invisible <laughs> until he does something that's kind of awesome. And this time it happened to be getting a go-ahead goal late in the game, you know, in a situation where the Kings had given up the lead for like the third time. Yeah, so- he's doing well. Like when he's given a shot, he's, I mean, he's had some mishaps, but they haven't been so drastic that, you know, there's need to worry or anything like that. You know, it's it's not he's learning, but it, it's good to see that he's he's doing good things and scoring goals and and getting more experience and time out there. Yeah, I mean he's a young player, so he's not gonna be perfect. Um, and then some stuff is just like accidental silliness, like in the game against the Panthers. <laughs> Um, there was a point late in the game where he took a face off and he won it, but he happened to angle it in such a way where it basically went right to where Jonathan Quick was and could have gone into the net. <laughs> Luckily, Jonathan Quick got it and, you know, no harm, no foul, but I thought it was pretty funny. Um, it would have been less funny if it had actually gone in, but it didn't. But I was like, oh, poor Nick Shore. <laughs> he did a good thing, but it, it could have been a disaster. Um, but the thing like about when, him... Like when Braden McNabb just, like, angled a puck towards an opponent and then they scored and it was just like gosh. oh yeah <laughs> and he had to like apologize after. yeah oh poor Brandon McNabb that was a rough game for him yeah, that <laughs> um, was not good <laughs> uh so the thing about Nick Shore though is people have started to notice and like wrote some pieces about it and stuff but the dude really becoming very solid as the third line center his Excluding Derek Forbert, who is technically a little bit higher, but has played like half the time, the half half the amount of minutes um, as Nick Shore at this point. Nick Shore is at the top of the Corsi Four. Like when when he's on the ice, the Kings are friggin' amazing. It's like 60-61%. And that's five on five. And he's awesome. He's like basically the the sort of possession darling that, you know, people talk about with Jake Muzzin. Um now we've got one in third line center Nick Shore so far. It would be cool to see if he sustains that. He's like basically the opposite of Andy Andrioff for me watching him. Um, it's like if you don't notice him, it's probably because he's just doing a lot of really good small things. Where it's like when I notice the Kings fourth line, which is often, it's because they're in their own zone. <laughs> so, <laughs> But yeah, Nick Shore, the dude not to forget about. And the Oilers did and he got a go ahead goal and it was awesome. So yeah, really like how he's shaping up on the third line. Um, I hope that he is able to get more goals because that was his second. He had the first goal of the season for the Kings and hadn't scored since that first game and finally just got another one. So I hope he's able to pick up a few more too so we can just really jump on the Nick Shore bandwagon. <laughs> I'm ready to be on it. Uh, and it, it, he's, he's doing good things so far. So let's hope that continues. Um, another player who is... Very much noticeable because he's talked about constantly because he was probably, again, the splashiest trade the Kings made in the offseason is Milan Lucic. Um, But I don't actually have anything bad to say about Milan Lucic right now. And that's kind of why I think we should bring him up. Um, How have you felt watching him with that? With uh, on that second line with Toffoli and Carter? I felt much better about it. Um, One, because. Not that Tyler Toffoli and Jeff Carter don't occasionally get physical, but, like, Lucic is obviously much better and more at home, you know, roughing up people around the net or around the boards or what have you. And so I think it adds, like, a little something extra 
to that line. You know, like, not to say that he hasn't isn't skilled or anything like that, but he just, like, adds a little bit of depth where, you know, they can try new things that they might not have been able to try with someone else because he's willing to kind of, like, put the body forward and do all of that. But he's been pretty good. He hasn't taken any dumb penalties um, as of late. You know, he hasn't been getting into too many fights anymore. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually pretty... I We were pretty skeptical about Milan Lucic before. Um, but he has been doing pretty good. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty nice stretch. <laughs> I think... Actually, I mean, I didn't notice this until today, but since that first game where he got that um, misconduct and was, you know, kicked out of the end of the game or whatever, he has not had any fights. He's had a couple, a few minor penalties, I think four in all of the games since then, and um, no, no fighting majors or anything like that. Like it's, And he hasn't taken a penalty at all in the last four games. So it's, it's a nice time. Like, And also, I, I mean, I don't think... It's been talked about how he's not the fastest dude, but I think because I was so worried about some of the other stuff, it is unfortunately a little easy for me to forget that he does have some skill, right? (laughs) Um, And so sometimes I'd be like, oh, there's no way he's going to get to this puck and get a shot off, and he has. Um, I think he's fitting in pretty well with that line, and it's, it's good to see. He's got 10 points in 17 games, so he's currently on pace to have about 48 by the end of the season, you know, through 82 games. Um, So it's certainly entirely possible that we'll see him have, like, a 45 to 50-point season with the Kings, which is awesome. I have no complaints with that right there. He had actually a little point streak at the end of October. Um, So, yeah, Milan Lucic, good job so far. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Um, speaking of, like, the penalties, though, um, the reason that he's not getting any is because do you know who is? Andy Andrioff. He is currently uh, fourth in the NHL uh, in why? penalty minutes. So why? that's always fun. <laughs> Every time he starts fighting, like, half the time it doesn't really seem like there's a reason. I just, what are you doing? What are you doing? And yet Daryl Sutter continues to play a fourth line of Kyle Clifford Andy Andrioff, and Jordan Nolan. Who's supposed to score goals on that fucking line? <laughs> God. Kyle Clifford? I mean, oh, I just want him to man. score all the goals on that line. But that's the thing is he does seem like the person the most likely, but, like, Kyle Clifford doesn't score a bunch of goals. So, I don't know. What's uh, – why, why, why do I have to watch Andy Andrioff so much? <laughs> I don't know. It's really deeply upsetting, though. In the game, in the Oilers game – Jim Fox had this moment where he was like, he was talking about the game before that, but he was like, you know, Andy Andrioff, he's just seen possibly for the first time in his career an opportunity to be in the game in the final minutes, the like less than three minutes. And I wanted to just be like, let me stop you right there, Jim Fox, because I notice every time it's happened where late in the game that fourth line is out, Andy Andrioff is doing something. It's happened a few times. It wasn't the first time. It happens too much. So... Um, I clearly, that's what I mean. I, I notice Andrea up constantly because he's always doing something that frustrates me. <sighs> fighting is one of them. Yeah. Why? Dumb penalties and fighting. He seems to be very good at that. Everything else, not so much. <laughs> I just want to see Jordan Wheel play. How has Jordan Wheel been in two games so far? I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, I'm like, there are like plenty of days where I'm like, you know what? Trust Daryl Sutter because he 
has done some really good things with this team and he has evolved in ways but also sometimes I'm like fight me Daryl Sutter because <laughs> what is this lineup also I'm like deeply upset just because still when we went to go see that Ontario rain game we couldn't see Jordan wheel because yeah. he was up with the Kings but he's not really up with the Kings because he's not getting any ice time so what's the friggin point just let the kid play somewhere Please, please. I don't really want to fight Daryl Sutter, but if that's what I have to do, I will challenge You're him. You're gonna Winner. lose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I could take him, I think. It would be fine. <laughs> so, so yeah, lots of Andy off with penalty minutes. Lucic, none, surprisingly, at least not when it comes to fighting and stuff like that. He's had a couple of stick penalties and whatnot. But, you know, which kings haven't, really? So, overall, it's pretty good and I'm I, I gotta say I'm I'm glad for it and uh, apologies to Milan Lucic and I hope he doesn't suddenly start fighting a bunch of people yeah he's doing so well let's keep with this yeah and what made me think of it was because Hockey Night in Canada did a piece um, on him recently where he was he sat down and just talked about his reputation and how people say like when he's playing you know don't wake the bear you know once you get him mad he kind of goes all out uh, but he's had, there have been other times where he's gotten hit and whatnot and things kind of similar to what Logan Couture did in that first game and he hasn't really responded. So I like that he seems to be trying a, a different approach lately. Yeah. Learn from his mistakes or his missteps or whatever, learning that what works in Los Angeles and what doesn't. And we said that before. We were like, oh, we really didn't like what he did. Like, we, hopefully this is the last time. Hopefully, you know, he's learned that that's not the way to, like, play over here or with the Kings or anything like that. And it seems like you did and is excelling at fitting in with the team and is scoring goals and is helping other people score goals. So I can't really complain about him at all. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is of the non, non Jeff Carter, non Toffoli players on the team, who on the Kings has been not even, maybe not the most surprisingly enjoyable, but the most enjoyable in this last like little stretch do you think anybody's like really come into their own or anything like that oh mm, not in particular i was just very happy about trevor lewis's only empty net goals (laughs) i i I, that could be called coming into his own seems like a trevor lewis (laughs) thing to do he almost got a goal, but then it didn't ever actually quite cross the line. Yeah, that was actually <laughs> deeply upsetting to me. That would have been beautiful <laughs> to have his first goal. Um, but his empty nets happened a long time ago. Other than that, I mean, maybe Tanner Pearson, just seeing him play. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Uh, play better. I mean, he did score that goal against Edmonton and all that, but um, really just the like the, the optics of it all. Just like watching him play, it, it seems like he's – gotten more like I guess more acclimated to his new line and just making smarter plays and all of that stuff nothing crazy tangible in the in terms of like assists and points and things like that but he's just looked better the thing about Tanner Pearson is it it sort of felt I, I mean he was making some mistakes here and there but to me it kind of felt like he was being moved to different lines and sort of trying to play in a way that he thought fit that line and i think Tanner Pearson 
is effective in a way where it's like you you gotta have the speed you gotta be the person who comes up on the second opportunities that's where he seems to really excel and it seems like once he sort of realized like oh right this is my thing again um it's starting to become a little bit more effective also he you know instead of playing with like the third line or something he got bumped up to play with Kopitar which everybody looks better playing with Andre Kopitar so that's cool too yeah so that definitely boosted him a little bit more but yeah he's been just better at playing with all of the lines I suppose um Kopitar or anyone else so um that that's been good um just seeing him be more confident in play I mean obviously this isn't his first rodeo but still a little bit newer and so I think he's just like a little bit more sure of himself and his place on the lines and eventually that'll lead to more goals and assists and all that jazz yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, we can't forget, like he he was out for a long time. Yes, that's true. Um, so it's taken him a while to really get back into the rhythm of things. But I, I agree. I think it does look like he's really starting to take off again. And I, and I hope that continues. I don't I can't really think of anybody else who I'm like, dude, nice. I actually I, I mean, he hasn't played very much, but I will say that when Derek Forbert plays, I think. I like the progress that it seems. I haven't dug into it a whole lot, but he seems to be doing generally positive things. And I honestly didn't know what to expect from him. It took him so long to come to the King system. He was never sort of talked about as a dude who was like standout amazing when they drafted him. It was like, here's a project. Um, <laughs> but he's he seems to be okay-ish so far. I, I like I like the progress he's making slowly but surely. He hasn't pre- played very much, but I'm sure like, you know, he'll be rotated in more as the season goes on and whatnot. So um, I look forward, I should say, to seeing more from Derek Forbert. I I like that you advertised him like he's a fixer-upper of a house. You know, like, (laughs) this isn't really, like, this isn't ready. This isn't movement ready, but it's a (laughs) fixer-upper. Like, it's a good deal. That's how he's always been talked about. He's got good bones. He's got a good foundation. (laughs) You know, it just needs a little, some aesthetics. Yeah, I mean, and credit to the... King system like they if it turns out that he has like a good season this year and maybe does better next year like it will be a real huge testament to the way that they develop players that they can take someone like Derek Forbert and like when he came and played his first game there was all like everybody mentioned he's the last person in that draft year in the first round who's getting into an NHL game and that they can take that kind of time and really fine-tune all the edges and whatnot and and maybe make him an NHL player. He might not be, like, a top-pairing guy, but maybe he'll be pretty good. Well, time will tell. Hopefully he'll get more time. He's only played five games, so he'll get his chance yet. Yeah, for sure. So to talk about um, Jeff Carter, actually, for the moment, Josh Cooper from Puck Daddy did an interview with him, and I don't, it, the interesting thing actually before I talk about anything that was said in the interview was sort of the reaction to it from other media being like, Jeff Carter's come a long way as a person who gets interviewed and wow, like he's opening up here. And it's in this way where it's like, I think people just aren't used to Jeff Carter saying a lot of words in a row. But I feel like that perception, even in the piece, Josh Cooper is like, says that he's perceived as like a surly grouch, but I've never gotten that impression from Jeff Carter as a LA Kings player. Oh, no, not at all. He's always been fairly forthcoming, or if he didn't have... I I mean, I don't know. A lot of other people do the whole just, like, gruff one-word answers, but don't necessarily get some sort of, you know, hard uh, reputation from it, but Jeff Carter seems to. But, like, on the King side, he's always been more than willing to open 
open up about what the kings were doing right or what the kings were doing wrong or where they could improve. So, yeah, like I we haven't seen like that sort of uh, reputation reflected in like his interviews here in L.A. at all. Yeah, I've heard rumors that he used to be kind of, I don't know if the word is nervous, but basically he used to kind of want a heads up about the kind of stuff he would be asked in interviews. Rumors I heard. So maybe that's what they're referring to, that it seems like he was just more open in general. But they, I don't know, how would they know that from reading the interview? (laughs) What it was like, what he was asked questions. I don't know. It was just very strange the way that um, everybody sort of reacted in the same way. Like, Jeff Carter's come a long way. Um, When, at least as a person who has seen him interviewed and talked to in in the LA market, he's just never actually seemed super reclusive. (laughs) But I thought that was odd. Anyway, anyway. So he did this interview with Jeff Carter and he talked about his career. He talked about living in the Hermosa Beach community. Um, He touched a little bit on Mike Richards and none of it was actually very groundbreaking. But I think and possibly this is what was so surprising to people is that he spoke um, directly to things like Dry Island, even though it's been years now. Okay, so he says about, you know, playing on the flyers and stuff. Um, with the Dry Island stuff or whatever, there's a lot we can get into there, but we won't. And everything happens for a reason. And with me going from Philly to Columbus and then here, it's all worked out for me. I probably couldn't have ended up in a better spot for myself personally or my hockey career. It's been good. It worked out well. I absolutely loved my time in Philly. The fans there are unbelievable. They're demanding, which is good. When you're winning, there's not too many places as good to play as Philly. If you're losing, they're hard on you, but they're hard on you for a reason because you're not performing. Um, so I think like that kind of stuff, probably people were like, oh my God, he's actually saying things about Philadelphia, (laughs) um, which he said a little bit in like post games when they play there and whatnot. But I I think really what people should be saying is, oh my God, I can't believe people are still asking about Philadelphia. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) They still want to talk about his time in Philadelphia, but he answered it and you know, he, he talked about the fans. He sounds really respectful. I guess the other reason why I'm not particularly surprised is because because we've heard things like if there was a player who would be a GM on the Kings, it would be Jeff Carter, right? Like all his peers say that. So in my mind, I'm like, it's not surprising that Jeff Carter might be a little bit thoughtful, (laughs) have opinions about things. He just doesn't like, you know, readily share them without, you know, a need to. And I told like, if he was the type of person who needed to know, like at least the vague direction of where um, an interview was going before he, you know, said yes to it or whatever. I so feel him as someone who loves to overthink and prepare for (laughs) whatever, like, interviews or questions or situations or things like that. Like, just being prepared, having all the information in front of you, I get it. You just don't want to sound dumb. You want to sound like you know what you're talking about. Give a good answer. Sure. He also then was asked about... Well, I don't know what the actual question was, but his association with Mike Richards. There's a line actually in this article that says his association with former Kings forward Mike Richards could also tarnish his image somewhat, um, looking at the state of Mike Richards' life and the state of Jeff Carter's life. Um, I would say that's not really true, but maybe. No, not at all. (laughs) We all like to talk about the fact that, you know, reunited and it feels so good or whatever but we're also adults who understand that they are two separate people um so no mike richard's image being tarnished you know 
if it is tarnished or I guess it is, um, does not affect Jeff Carter at all. Yeah. And he apparently quick to remind people that he is his own person. He says, quote, all that where it's me and him is really no offense, but it's just the media talking. We played against each other in junior, and then we got drafted to Philly get together and came into Philly this, at the same time and World Juniors and pretty much every team we've played on since we've both been on that team. It's fair to say, but we were both totally different players and never really played that much together, maybe here or there. And I think they did play together more in Los Angeles, but he's right. Like, they didn't play together very much at all in Philadelphia, but I was amused by him being like, look, it's just the media narrative. We're two people, actually. Jeff Carter would like you to know he is independent. <laughs> he can think for himself. He scores his own goals. Thank you. He's not a part of some, like, name smush or where you can only say two names together always. <laughs> like, he, you can just say Jeff Carter. You don't have to say Jeff Carter or Mike Richards. Like, that's that's well in the past now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little. Um... Yeah, but I I thought that was kind of amusing, but also nice, because I, I do think, like, it's worth noting, I mean, we talk about it constantly, but worth being reminded for peop- the greater hockey fandom out there that Jeff Carter is a really good player and has really um, come into his own in a different way in Los Angeles, and he seems real comfortable and happy, and I thought that was cool to read about, too. Um, I love that, you know, he's not someone who really, and he says it in the article too, doesn't really strive for like recognition or, you know, try to be big and loud to get people to write about him. But his, the, the line that the article ends on is him talking about, I don't need that rec- recognition. I just like to come and do what I do and help the team, whatever may, whatever it may be. It really, really doesn't bother me that I don't get that recognition, and I'm totally fine with it. I feel like he's just, like, emphasizing, don't make me famous. Please don't make me be (laughs) like those other guys in big media markets. I like living with my three crazy-looking dogs and my wife on the beach. Like, this is cool. Just let me... Let me chill. Jeff Carter uh, does not want to be a star. (laughs) But it's, like, crazy because also, like, at the beginning of the interview, it's, like, you know, they have a dog that went missing and they posted about it on Twitter. So it's, like, very – I mean, it's true of L.A. in a lot of ways that it's been touched on, but it's just kind of funny to see that, like, he can be actually pretty well-known here, not, like, crazy famous or anything, but a face in the community and among Kings fans. Like, everybody recognizes Jeff Carter if you're paying attention to hockey in Los Angeles, right? Um, and th- that they all live in Hermosa Beach, well-known. They don't really shy away from interacting with people in the community out here or anything like that. But at the same time, he's like, I'm enjoying this sort of double life where where people here know me, kind of, but I'm not, like, a person in the spotlight constantly. It's great. Yeah, he doesn't have to, like, constantly be pestered by the NHL, like, NHL.com or all of that, like, big media and things like that. He can kind of just right. scoot under the radar a little. Um, and, and maybe that's what people are talking about. You know, Jeff Carter just kind of wants to be in control of his own level of fame. Maybe that means he doesn't want to do interviews all the time, but he will talk to you thoughtfully if you happen to get him to sit down, I guess. I I love the Jeff Carter years. Um, and or the L.A. Kings yeah. years of Jeff Carter, they're yeah. really really nice. Yeah, it's just pleasant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. Just it's not like nothing to be like super effusive about, but it's just like it's very comfortable. It's very pleasant. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I feel like Jeff Carter does about his own career, so uh, it's worked out. 
So that was um, a cool piece, and it was interesting to see him touch at least kind of, not even on Mike Richards and where he is now, but just the fact that that, you know, that they're linked still, and it's something that's brought up, and he's kind of like, I don't need us to be, basically. (laughs) Um, Also, I think something like that is, or contrasts, uh, with some of the other stuff we're hearing around the league, like have you have you seen all of this stuff from other teams, where it's like frustrated and not even just like l- the teams that are losing really badly or anything like that, but um, just teams in general. I mean, the Ducks were losing a lot, and uh, Ryan Kessler after they lost to the Islanders just said like in an interview, we have to get back to having fun and it being loose around here. It's like walking on eggshells around here right now. So the things were kind of tense and whatnot. And have you seen some of that stuff from the different teams and and players? Yeah, I have. And I've I've seen the like sad gifts of Evgeny Malkin just being like, we're not, we don't like each other right now. Like we're not, we're mad at each other, which is, yeah, I understand. It's very sad, but the way he was saying it was just like real cute. Yeah. Um, We're not happy. We're mad at each other. You know? (laughs) We're not playing right, but uh, it, it was that was kind of funny. But I have been seeing that there's been a lot of tension within, like it, it's less, you know, ah, oh, that was a bad game, you know, we weren't connecting, which is kind of your standard hockey, you know, uh, quote at the end of a bad game. But this was the what the quotes that we've been hearing around the league have been more like oh, it's it's just, like, not good in the locker room, you know? Like, or we're not happy with each other, or just, like, everything is not great. Yeah. The two quotes from Yevgeny Malkin, which you mentioned, um, are, uh, quote, we're not playing right, we're not working hard, it's tough right now, we're mad at each other. And then he says a little later on, we're a little mad at each other, we're not happy, but it's the beginning of the season, it's a good time to stop and move forward. What I and I f- feel like it wasn't something else, maybe in like the larger quotes or whatnot. And, and like Ryan Kessler obviously mentioned, but I think it's interesting how guys keep bringing up the idea of like we have to be having fun in order for this to work. And like with the Penguins, they don't have a bad record or anything, they've just had they're not scoring as much. People have talked about how like Sidney Crosby only has, I think, two goals so far this season. Um, it's just not what people expected from a team with that much offensive um, power on offense. And so it's it's that quote of being like, we're, we're a little mad at each other. We're a little frustrated because things aren't going well. But it's like a contrast to like what's happening in L.A. right now where I mean, not that anybody's being super effusive, but everybody seems pretty chill. <laughs> yeah, the, the, they'll, they're taking the losses. They come t- talking about like, ah, you know, we didn't really click. Let's move on. But nothing like, you know, we're just like, it's not good in the locker room. Like, we're not happy with each other. We're not having fun anymore. Like, none of that. So um, a lot of a lot of teams seem to be in a dark place right now. Which also made me think, of course, when I started seeing quotes like this and stuff, is will we hear about a team doing something like, I don't know, barricading the coach out of the locker room with trash The trash can incident? Will the trash can incident become like a league-wide thing? A league-wide way to fix your problems is to just barricade yourself um, into the locker room? Maybe. Yeah, because, I mean, when that happened, the Kings had, what, like, one win in, like, eight games or something crazy like that? I don't remember exactly now, but it was absurd. One or two wins in, like, an eight-game stretch or whatever, and then they went on, like, an eight-game winning streak or something. It was ridiculous, but 
Yeah, and there was like that week where um, I think that was actually the season before where it was like shut out three times in one week. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for the most part, it's interesting even with the Kings that when those things happen, we don't really hear a lot of they're mad at each other so much. It's like, you know, even with the trash can thing, it's like they locked Daryl Sutter out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> they just didn't want to hear from the coach <laughs> um, for the moment. Um, or we, I mean, no, we won't really hear that anymore going forward because Justin Williams is not on the team, but instances of him sort of sensing frustration in the locker room and saying things like, you know, don't give up on us kind of stuff. Um it's just interesting to me the way the Kings have dealt with things like lack of scoring, which has been a trend for them, um, versus teams that are maybe going through that kind of thing now. Teams like the Ducks who are used to it, teams like the Penguins who are used to it, and people are like, oh my god, like these quotes, players are frustrated and kind of freaking out about it. And we're like, yeah, I've been there, done that. Yep, it's all it, the time. It's happened. It'll, it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. But I am also just glad that the Kings continue to be at the top of the Pacific Division, and this so far does not yeah. apply to them. Um, and I was just thinking about that, just like them not you know, scoring as much. Also with how, like, Tyler Toffoli is fourth in the NHL in goals. And that's yeah. pretty good for a team that is 22nd in goals for. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so he's yeah. doing all right. And also, the Kings are doing much better, though, in, like, barring the fact that they're, you know, pretty much at the bottom in goals for standard. We're used to being down there. <laughs> Business um, as usual. At least they're shooting much more. They're currently seventh in the NHL in, you know, shots per game, which doesn't usually happen. Um, like, usually their their lack of, not as drastically, but their, their lack of scoring goes hand in hand with the lack of shooting on goal. But this time they're doing a little better. Nice. That's interesting. I like it. I, I do, because I do think I've gotten used to, in recent years, them having a lot of shot attempts. Like, they're obviously known for that, but having, like, crazy missed or blocked shots. So it, it's pretty cool if they're actually at least making it on goal more so far. That's awesome. Go Some more of them should go in. <laughs> so, okay, before before we get out of here, we have to talk just a little bit about crazy rumor from last week which was Patrick Marlowe rumored to have said that he would be okay with being traded to three teams in the NHL. They are the Anaheim Ducks, the New York Rangers, and the Los Angeles Kings. I love this rumor. I do too. Um, One, because I love, well, one, that the Kings are on it. Of course. Like, I, I, I like when people want to be a king. Like, that makes me feel smug. It makes me feel great. Um, but also that he... Patrick Marlowe, don't give a fuck. He'll move <laughs> around within the Pacific Division. He will be direct rivals and is asking to do so. <laughs> like, that is amazing. He's like, yeah, I'll be a ranger. And everyone's like, all right, fair. You know, they're a good team. Um, it's across the the country. That's cool. Whatever. Be be a ranger. That's that's cool. Or a duck or a king. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. amazing. And I mean, it's not very likely at all that he would get traded to either the Kings or the Ducks. But I do like that. Even in, like he probably knows that. And but even doing it just to troll a little bit <laughs> is great to me. Um, I would also love it if 
he did somehow get traded to either the Kings, I would be less excited about the Ducks. But even still, I would rejoice, particularly if it was to the Kings somehow, in rubbing that in Sharks fans' faces forever. <laughs> yep. That would be amazing. Amazing. I would immediately start, like, a win a cup for Patrick Marlowe <laughs> yeah. thing. And hope that the Kings do and be like, yeah, what now? Yeah. Is, is, I think he is, right? Patrick Marlowe is one of the players that Dean Lombardi drafted. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So what an amazing narrative that would be. Like Dustin Brown hands the cup to Patrick Marlowe. That would be so beautiful. That's delicious. (laughs) I want that. So. Real bad. I, yeah, I just had to bring that up because it was amazing when it was announced. It was still amazing. Now, um, if by some crazy miracle it happened, it would also be amazing. Um, thank you, Patrick Marlowe, for that. Um, yeah, that would be wonderful. I would, I would totally be fine with Patrick Marlowe being on the Yeah, me too. Who would you? Like, I mean, actual hockey play, like, uh, putting aside the narratives and all that stuff, just like, as a hockey player, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, he's still, you know, he's still good. He scores goals. He's, uh, I like him. (laughs) I think the Kings could use a player like that. I don't know who they'd have to get rid of, but I'm open to it. There's so many people I'd be willing to give up, but the caliber of the player, we'd have to give up like five of them. Yeah. Let's see here. Oh, did you happen to see, I just wanted to talk about, so that is a potential future king, fingers crossed, Um, but what about a former king, Jonathan Bernier, not having the best of seasons right now? So what is (laughs) happening? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to Jonathan he most recently let in a real sad, sad center ice goal um, so that he could currently sit at a 0-7-1 season. Oh. He has not won a single game. Somebody pointed out, I forget who, but I also saw something that was like, going back to last season, he hasn't seen a win in like 18 games started. Jesus. I... Don't okay. So I think it was one that Nick from Jewels from the Crown wrote one of the articles, but or, or maybe he was just talking to me. I don't know. At some point, he said or wrote that um, <laughs> goalies, backup goalies behind Jonathan Quick, have slowly faded into irrelevance, <laughs> and it shouldn't really be true, but. You know, because, like, when Jonathan Bernier got traded, people were like, wow, like, the Toronto Maple Leafs got, like, a really good goaltender. We thought that the Kings still got a, you know, a, a nice deal for them, got a few players. But now it's like, what are you, what is happening to you, sir? Like, maybe he'll bounce out of it, but I feel like in general he just hasn't totally lived up to what people expected of him. And, um, and then you've got, like, Ben Scrivens, who was on the Oilers, but then was sent to the AHL and... It's kind of amazing how, I mean, so far Martin Jones is doing pretty well, but it is amazing slash appalling that, like, Jonathan Quick, who is often talked about as being, you know, not elite and, and whatnot, is still sitting in a better position than these backups who all, like, did really well behind him. <laughs> um I don't know. I'm Do you think crazy. he's, like, cursed the King's backup position like a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher? <laughs> oh, my God. 
That would be a serious question. I, I um, would love for us to start that rumor. <laughs> yeah, Enroth better, you know, be careful. Yeah. Enroth, who's playing uh, really good in the three games that he's played. Yeah. He's playing great. So, therefore, watch your back. Oh, no. <laughs> But it's, like, hilarious to me that even in that scenario, it's not, like, he cursed them so they don't do well behind him. It's They do really well behind him, like, as his second. And then they go on to other places thinking, like, I've got a real shot to, like, be a starter here. And then things just seem to go yeah, south. Maybe Martin Jones will be the the outlier. Maybe he's going to do perfectly fine. I want nice things for Martin Jones. I like Martin Jones. Yeah, I mean... But... It would also be hilarious if it all went down. <laughs> yeah. One advantage that Martin Jones has is that the Sharks are a better team than either the Oilers or the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, so he's at least set up for success a little bit more, but it'll be an interesting one to watch if he if he's able to hang in there. I don't know whether I'll be rooting or cheering for him from now on, because um, I think sort of cheering. him losing is... <laughs> Is the funnier for for the sure? Option. Well, I mean, he could have a good, and he's season. on the shark, so I, I want him to lose. He could have a good-ish season, but yeah. <laughs> is I don't mind him doing well as long as it's still not as good as the Kings are doing. Is how yeah, I feel there you go. about Martin Jones, uh, which is apparently how Jonathan Quick feels about everyone else too. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you could do fine-ish, but <laughs> come on. So, yeah, I, I noticed about Jonathan Bernier, and it's rough, and I'm confused and feel kind of sad, but also amused. Yeah. I feel a little sad for him. Because <laughs> wasn't Reimer, like, one of the stars this week? Oh, yeah. He, but he's, like, been doing really well. And that's, like, the other crazy thing about the Leafs, too, is they've been, I mean, a lot of it was, like, Randy Carlisle when he was there, but really reluctant to just make James Reimer the starter of that team or get rid of him. And over and over again, I feel like James Reimer, like, has proved that he's pretty consistent. So um, maybe he should get that shot, because I don't know what Jonathan Bernier is going through, but he's not a starter right now. No, he is not. Any other things that you noticed or want to talk about? Um, no, I think we're, um, I'm pretty, uh, pretty much covers it. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, a non-Kings thing is I just want to say... I was very happy to see that Connor McDavid had an interview today, and I got to hear his very soft, small voice. <laughs> it's still very small. His he talks so quietly that like the interview was about his injury and like an update on it, and like he, the everybody had to basically put their microphones in his mouth <laughs> so so that they could pick him up. Um, I was like, you know, his collarbone was injured. Maybe you don't want to like sit the microphone on it maybe don't do that <laughs> just like waving it wildly around his face so that it hits his yeah. third collarbone <laughs> but they all had to basically be right up on his mouth so they could hear him so That's i thought that great. was funny <laughs> uh our continuing efforts to try to hear what he is saying <laughs> speak up <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that's all the other thing. And I just saw that today. So it was on my mind. Um, but everything else. Cool. It's been fun. A lot of crazy stuff happening in games. Um, I like it. Good times. Yeah. And I like that the Kings keep winning. Do you think how do you think they're gonna do on this road trip before we go? They're gonna win four. Nice. I like it. it. It's a five. It's five game road trip, right? Yeah. Flyers, Red Wings, Hurricanes, Panthers, Lightning, which is the game that they lose. God. 
tempted to say the Hurricanes. Oh. Um, I don't know, actually. Yeah, that's kind of tough. I think um... it's it's because things like the the Lightning are an excellent team, but the Kings have been doing fairly well against them, at least in the past. Um, so like that doesn't worry me as much. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna say the Red Wings. That's that's if fair. If we're going with the win four lose one, I say they lose against the Red Wings. However, the you know when they were playing against like the Flyers the last couple times, they've weirdly made their goaltenders look amazing. So they could surprise you, the Los Angeles Kings. <laughs> but I'll say the Red Wings. I'm, you know what, I'm going to stick with the Hurricanes, and this is just because I remember last season, I was driving back from San Francisco listening to the Kings play the Hurricanes, in which they lost, and that was just, like, so deeply upsetting to me, like, to the point where I obviously still remember this game. Like, I'm on the road, driving for a long time, I'm hoping for happy things, and instead, (laughs) the Kings lose to the Hurricanes. Disaster. That it has still scarred me, and I'm going to say that they are going to scar me again. Hey, at least this season they've already won one against them. So it's not like you have – it's not like it won't be like, oh, the Kings have to come back from that embarrassing loss to the Hurricanes um, earlier this season. They've done well so far. So hopefully they win all five. That would be pretty exciting. But um, I'll settle for four, too. That's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them a one-game wiggle room there. All right. Well, hopefully the next time we talk to you guys – there's lots of winning happening and they have a good road record. That would be great. Um, until then, you know where to find us. We're on Twitter. Thanks, bud. Um, or twitter.com slash THXBUD. Uh, Facebook, same same thing, THXBUD. If you want to email us, we are chirp at thanksbud.com. Um, they are back for Thanksgiving. So if you want to go to a game and you want to buy resale tickets, check out our schedule page and click on whatever game. You can get tickets. Um helps us out so we appreciate that and until then take care of yourselves everyone we'll talk to you in seven days goodbye friends bye everyone